The phone buzzed against the hardwood desktop, startling Mike as he typed quickly away on the keyboard trying to catch up on Monday morning emails. 11.30 was coming and coming quickly like a Boeing 747 aircraft descending on the runway. Why today? Of all days for Mike's hard drive to crash, why the day that he was set to give the expansion proposal to the board? Why today? He glanced down and quickly caught the message on his iPhone screen from his neighbor. Saying, water is pouring across your front yard and spilling onto my driveway. Just thought you should know. Suddenly, without delay, Mike grabbed his clunky keys from his desktop and darted out the office door, frantically telling his assistant, I'll call you in a minute. Friends, we love a good story, do we not? Now, that's not a great story because I didn't give you a good resolution to that story. Maybe one day when the rest of that story is written, we will share the rest of that story. But we love a story with a good ending, do we not? You know, my short tenure as a father, I've had opportunity to share a few stories. In fact, I can hear my, my daughter even now saying, Daddy, tell me a story. For many months, it was the typical children's stories, Little Red Riding Hood, Three Little Pigs, Goldilocks and the Bears. But you can only tell those stories with passion so many times, am I right? And so then for a little while, it was stories about my childhood when I was little. But for the last several days, it has been an epic drama that continues to unfold a little bit at a time each night recorded in this book. Oh, and it's good. It's so good. This time around, we're only catching the high points, Abraham and The Israelites enslaved in Egypt. Moses and the deliverance wandering in the wilderness. David and Goliath. David as king. Daniel in the lion's den. In fact, I can hear Kensley even. Now, Daddy, tell me some more of that story. Church, may we never, ever grow tired of hearing that story. Now, one particular moment in that story, the grand story of the Scriptures, God gives some instructions to His people. He gives some instructions to observe the Passover, a festival that will lead to their deliverance from bondage and slavery in Egypt. And when He's giving those instructions, He says this to them. Exodus chapter 12, verse 26, it says, And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of Israel in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. In essence, God said to his people, when your children ask you about this, you tell them the story of your deliverance. And friends, we can't tell a story we 
don't know. Do you know the story? Do you know the story of the Scriptures so that you'll have opportunities to tell the story? Well, today we enter into that story, a particular place and time of that story in Exodus chapter 12. So let me invite you to open the Scriptures with me this morning to Exodus chapter 12. And I want to take a moment and set the stage, set the scene for this particular portion of God's story. But the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt under uh, a wicked pagan king, King Pharaoh. And Moses has been called by God to lead God's people out of bondage in Egypt. And through Moses, God has carried out numerous plagues on that land. But none of the first nine plagues have have led to Moses inviting God's people to go. But this would be the turning point. This would be the tenth and final plague. This would be the moment of the story that changes everything. And Pharaoh says enough is enough. And he invites Moses to lead these people, to get these people out of his, out of his land. And in the meantime, God calls upon his people to believe him, to trust him. And to exercise their trust in him through obedience. To carry out the commands that he gives them. To slaughter a lamb and to consume it among their family. And spread the door around the door frame. So that they will be delivered. So that they will be spared. And if they are faithful, if they are obedient, church. Then the Lord will lead them out of that land under Moses' leadership. They will be free on their way to the promised land. Setting them apart with a new identity as God's people. And it's there that we pick up the story. So let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's Word today from Exodus chapter 12. I'll be reading beginning in verse 21. And there the Scriptures read this way. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. And when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the door frame, and will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Verse 24, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt. There was not a house without someone dead. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we do pray that You would lead us by your spirit. Father, we thank you that you are with us. 
that your spirit resides in your people. Father, we pray that you would guide us now as we seek to rightly understand the truths of your word and apply them to our lives as your people today. It's through Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. Well, church, from this particular story, I want to, uh, I want to share two uh, big picture truths uh, and then one third more specific truth in light of this story within the greater context of the overarching story of God's word. So truth number one, God delivers. Truth number one, God delivers. God delivers. You know, experts might describe a certain organization in this sort of terminology and language. They might say, referring to a, 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 a certain business or, or organization that uh, 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 cutting-edge innovation is just part of their DNA. Or they might say something like mentoring relationships between managers and, uh, and workers is just part of this company's DNA. Now, our company doesn't actually have DNA. You know this. God doesn't actually have uh, DNA. He is the eternal God who has existed forever and will always exist. He stands outside of creation. But if we were to use that type of language to describe God, we might say that delivering is just part of his DNA. Delivering is just part of God's DNA. He is a God who saves. The God that we worship, the God of the Scriptures, the God of Exodus chapter 12, and of all of the Old Testament and New Testament, the God of uh, the Bible, the one and only God, is a God who saves. He is the God of salvation. And here in this particular point of the story, God delivers His people. He saves His people. He saves the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob from slavery in Egypt, but also saves them from his own judgment. God has always been a God who saves much later in our history, the history of God's people. David said this about God. Psalm 68, verse 20. He wrote, Our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Our God is a God who saves. And by and large, the people of Israel, enslaved in Egypt, believed God, obeyed these instructions from the Lord at this particular juncture in their history. They trusted Him. They carried out these commands, and they were spared. They obeyed, and they were saved. Verse 23, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, He will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down they were saved they were spared both from pharaoh this king of egypt and from god's judgment god delivers but he also judges god delivers we also see from the scriptures here that god god judges you see these are two components of god's character this is not a popular aspect of who God is today. It seems to be decreasingly so in our culture and even in church culture. And I'm convinced that that is to the detriment of many churches. For just as a coin has both heads and tails, God has 
is a God who delivers and a God who judges. These are two inseparable components of who God is. In other words, God's salvation of us is not such a big deal if he is not a mighty judge. If he is not a just God who rules and reigns on high, then salvation loses a great deal of its significance. You see, God commanded the Israelites to observe this ceremony year in and year out as they entered into the promised land, calling them to commemorate this event. And he was not simply calling them to commemorate uh, the fact that he is a God of social justice. Friends, hear me on this. God cares deeply, deeply about issues of social justice, and so should we. But this particular story is much larger than that. This is a story of God saving His people, not only from slavery in Egypt, but from His own judgment, from His wrath to be carried out on the sins of the world. See, there is no one who is equal to God. There is none like God. He alone rules and reigns on high. He sets the standard. He sets the bar. And we are called upon to obey Him, to serve Him, and to live for Him. And right here in Exodus chapter 12, we read about His judgment being poured out in the land because of human sin. As firstborns throughout Egypt lose their lives as an expression of God's judgment. Anticipating another one, another firstborn, the firstborn Son of God who gave His life on the cross of Calvary so that you and I and all who believe in Him will be spared the wrath of God. In His mercy, God delivers. In His justice, God judges. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm Chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. The Lord reigns forever. He has established His throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. God is a righteous judge who punishes sin. Yet even so, church, He longs for us. He longs for us in the same way that He longed for the enslaved Israelites. He longs for us to be spared His wrath. So church, based upon the teachings of Scripture, heed the warning. Heed the warning. Let's heed the warnings, for the Scriptures are filled with warnings and admonitions and exhortations and cautions to repent and follow after the God of Scriptures. Repent and turn toward the one and only God who reigns on high. The truth is that we are often quick to go our own way. All of us. Because of the sin nature in us, we are quick to wonder. We are quick to pursue our own interests, our own desires, our own wants, even when they are not honoring to God. But even so, God is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. He is the God who calls upon us and warns us time and time again and invites us time and time again to return to Him, to follow after Him. There's a warning here in Exodus chapter 12. This was the message of the prophets throughout much of the Old Testament, calling upon God's people to repent. Repent and return to God. This is the message of Jesus when He arrives on the scene as well. 
Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Jesus is going throughout Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe the news. Repent. Turn away from sin and self and believe this message concerning the Savior. Run after Him. Turn to Him. Heed the warning, church, by running to the God who saves. And then, as one of the saved, as one of the redeemed, as one of those who has been delivered, as a follower of Jesus Christ, tell the story. Heed the warning, then tell the story. Exodus chapter 12, verses 24 and following. Once again, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this, this uh, ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them. Tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. You see, year after year, these Israelites would come together and they would observe this festival. They would participate in this ceremony and they would do so as if they were there. As if it was the first time. And through their observance of the Passover, they were telling the story. They were proclaiming that God is the God who had delivered them, that God is a God who saves. Their children would ask them, they would tell the story. When others would ask them, they were called upon to tell the story. And likewise, church, we are called upon to tell the story. We, as believers in the God of Scripture, who have been delivered by the grace of Jesus Christ, we are called upon to tell the story, the story of creation and the story of the fall, of our sin, rebelling against God and of reconciliation through the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled for us and of consummation, a story of the king's return. One day when Christ will return and gather all of his people to enjoy his presence and provision for all of eternity, you and I are called upon to tell that story. To tell the story of creation and fall and reconciliation and consummation. You see, because when, when God first commanded the Israelites to carry out this, this Passover, this festival, this ceremony. He had the blood of Jesus in mind. He had the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross in mind as the one who would spill His blood ultimately to restore all believers into right relationship with God. Being set apart, just as Israel was, as a new people, a distinct people, a people who have a new beginning. Receiving salvation applied to our lives by faith in Christ. The ultimate sacrifice that would establish us as a new people. You see, God delivers, God judges, third truth, God. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. So leave Exodus 12 behind. For now, turn far to the right in the Scriptures, to the New Testament. The book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 
1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote, an apostle in the first century to the church at Corinth to guide them, to instruct them in the faith, to correct them where they're in error. And this is what he writes to the church in Corinth in the first century. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. He says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. Hear this. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. For years and years, the Israelites were called upon to observe this festival involving a feast of unleavened bread, bread without yeast, attesting to the haste with which God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And now we are called upon to observe the Lord's Supper, the life of faithfulness to Christ, attesting to the salvation that He has brought about in our lives. And eventually this yeast, this leavening, came to be associated with evil, with corruption. And so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul makes a distinction, a distinction between the old way of living before and without Christ and the new way of living with Christ, separated right in the middle, By Christ, our Passover lamb. For Christ Jesus is our Passover lamb and he has been sacrificed in us. So we no longer observe the Passover festival in the way that Jews did before the sacrifice of Jesus. For that found fulfillment in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. But like the Israelites... Before the coming of Jesus, before the life and the ministry and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, like them, even before those days, we too are called upon to commemorate the sacrifice. As Christians today and in every age, we are called upon to commemorate the sacrifice for our salvation. And there's a couple ways that we do that. We preserve the memory of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for our sins by living lives of faithfulness to Him. Lives that are set apart, lives that are distinct, lives that are devoted to Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 5, once again, verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, former way of living without Christ, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, new way of living through the power of God's Spirit and faith in Christ. So we commemorate the sacrifice of Jesus through faithfulness to Him, through devotion to Him. So let me pause and ask you this morning, does your, your life display faithfulness to God? Are you commemorating the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for the sins of the world through your life, through your living, through your attitude, through your actions, through the way that you conduct yourself and carry yourself? called upon to commemorate the sacrifice through faithfulness to Christ. And then secondly, we are called upon right here in the Scriptures to commemorate this sacrifice through the observance of communion or Lord's Supper. 
Same letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. Paul writes, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, whenever you observe the Lord's Supper, whenever you participate in communion as a believer, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, you tell the story. Through your participation, you tell the story of life in Christ. So as we pass the bread and pass the cup in just a moment, church, we are telling the story. We are remembering the sacrifice. We are looking to the cross and life in Christ. We are proclaiming his death until he comes again. God delivers those who trust in him. That's the central truth that I want us to see from Exodus 12 and 1 Corinthians 5 this morning in light of the story of the gospel that God delivers those who trust in Jesus. Have you trusted in Jesus? Are you trusting in Jesus? Trust in Jesus today. Turn to Christ today. Receive salvation, deliverance. Spared God's wrath because of the gracious mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, when your children ask you, what is this you're doing? What is this stuff what is this bread and this cup stuff? Or when your neighbor asks you, what is, it, what is that thing you guys do in church? The unchurch asks you, what's that strange practice you guys are about? You tell the story. You tell the story of God delivering us from our sins and invite them to receive salvation. Friends, if you don't know that story, if you've not responded to that story, if you don't know the Savior today, then you respond to the story. You respond to the Savior. You repent and trust in Jesus to save you. In just a moment, we're going to pause and sing a hymn of confession, preparing our hearts to receive communion, preparing our hearts to continue fixing our eyes and our hearts on the cross of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Christ, then cry out to Him now. Do not delay Receive salvation today. If you've got questions about what that looks like or how to do that, know that this is a fantastic time. So if the Lord leads you to come find me, ask me, I'd love to talk with you about that. But together, church, let's respond, let's prepare in light of what Christ has done for us. Father, we pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us. Lord, that you would forgive us. Lord, that you would hear our confession. Lord, that you would hear our desires to follow afresh after Christ. Thank you for saving us. Lord, remind us of the cross. Remind us of our sin, but remind us of your abundant grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.